getting started with uh, giving to the church was uh, very natural because when I was a kid, uh, I was actually a, a bus kid for a lot of time growing up. And when mom would send me to church, we had those old offering envelopes that had the perforation down the middle. And one side was for the local church and one side was for missions. And so every time I went to church, uh, I carried one of those envelopes and it had change on both sides. You know, there was always money for the church and for missions. And that just became ingrained in me to the point I got my first job when I was 16. I was a ticket taker for the Texas Rangers, got paid 10 bucks a game. And that very first paycheck, you know, as soon as I got paid, uh, the next Sunday, you know, the offering envelope was just the same. There was uh, the, the tithe to the church and, and money for missions. And it, that just continued for us, you know. We didn't ever have to start it. It was just something that we always did. When, when giving got hard, is as a young couple, when we started uh, having kids, having a family, uh, Tanya quit work to, you know, stay home, be a full-time mom, raise our kids. And when she quit work, that was a third of our income disappeared at the same time that, uh, you know, your expenses are going way up with what you need for the, for the kids. And it was very difficult and we had to be um, extremely disciplined. I would get paid and we would go grocery shopping and we would literally buy groceries for 15 days because that's how long it was until the next paycheck. Yeah, there, there were times uh, later on uh, when we started making more money and um, you, you, you see your friends having um, maybe new cars or um, a bigger, nicer house than you have and you knew that financially <laughs> we could afford it but um, <clears throat> we didn't spend at the top of our limit. We always um, spent at the, the bottom of our limit and because we wanted to make sure we had money to, to give for our tithe and, and put back for savings and put back for retirement and to be able to have a vacation. So sometimes there was, um, it wasn't always, um, I wasn't always happy in that way, but um, Morgan, knew what we needed to do and um, he was right. <laughs> I would say just start. It doesn't matter where you are or what the balance sheet looks like. Just start with what you can do today. Uh, your finances might be a wreck. You might have a lot of debt that you have to go through a program like Financial Peace to pay down. Uh, but if you, if you don't start somewhere, just start now and begin to order your life in such a way that honors God. Well, can you guys give yourself a hand real quick? Just everybody give yourself a hand, all right? Because most of you that are in here know what we're going to talk about and you decide to show up anyways. And it's the third week, so you really uh, had time to know what we were talking about. I appreciate 
those, we have one more video we're going to close out this morning with. Uh, appreciate those who are willing to let us sh share their testimony. And so uh, just be careful. I'm going to warn you right now. Be careful what you say um, around um, me. All right. Because those three, uh, three of those four, um, we, we had a meeting a couple months ago. And we were actually having a, a budget meeting just talking about six-month review type thing. And uh, they just all kind of, um, well, we were talking about this series, and they all just started telling their, their stories. And so I, uh, one by one, said, okay, I need you to tell that in front of the camera. So be careful who you share your testimony with. That's all I'm saying, all right? Share with everyone else but me, probably. Uh, so we're in this third and final week. Uh, let me encourage you, if you haven't already, some of you to, uh, I know some of you have already started making this a habit of sharing our Facebook feed. And uh, so if you want to do that right now, that would be a good time. I, I'm trying, and I just started watching it. That's kind of weird watching myself uh, on, on there, so that was weird. Um, but we're glad that you chose to be with us this morning. And the reason uh, you may be new here, the reason we're asking people just to share is because uh, it's an easy way to invite someone to church. And uh, so share that live feed. And I know we have people that aren't able to be here but are watching online. And so... First um, Timothy chapter 6, this is again our third week. I'm just going to share a couple verses. Our first week we talked about contentment. And contentment's not easy, right? It's hard to be content. But we looked at First Timothy in chapter 6, verse 6. It said, godliness with contentment is a great gain. In other words, it's a good thing to be godly and content. And maybe it's hard to be content unless you're godly. So I think those kind of go hand in hand, right? So godliness with contentment is great gain is what Paul told Timothy. Paul also in Philippians chapter 4, most of us can quote Philippians 4.13, says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Most of us don't know the context in which he said that. It wasn't that he was about to get up and try to hit home runs, so he prayed, God, I can do all things through you. Give me strength to hit this home run, which often we see in sports. Why did he say that? He said in verse number 11, not that I, I speak in regard to need, but I have learned key word there, learned, I have learned to be content wherever I am and whatever state I am. He goes on to say, whether I have a lot, I can be content. Whether I have nothing, I can be content. Whether life is good or life is bad, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to be content with what he's been giving me. And so week one was about contentment. Last week we talked about giving. And so that's why I'm encouraged you're back, all right. Some of you are back this morning. So we made a couple statements and then we'll move on to this week's uh, lesson. But giving is the only antidote for materialism. Giving is the only antidote for materialism. And I believe that the reason God wants us and expects us and commands us, you see in Scripture that tithe was required before the law. It was a part of the law. And then Jesus affirmed it after the law. And so I think tithing is just like the starting point. It's like the starting blocks of giving. So tithing, we made the statement, tithing is the command, but generosity is the goal. Okay, so we want to we get to where we have a generous spirit and we want to give out of the abundance of God's blessed us. And I've challenged you for two weeks to go on to globalrichlist.com. How many of you actually did that? Look around because... There may be a few more of you than I thought. How many of you intended to do that you just forgot, right? And so we're going to do it for you today, okay? 
And uh, so I, I went to Global Rich List. I've, I've done this for years. And I typed in, so the, the median, the, here, here on the screen it says 50, $55,000. And the median income of Texas, okay, household income of Texas is $55,000. And some of you really wish you had that salary and some of you glad you don't, right? And so $55,000 salary, that's, that's the baseline we're going for. So I'm showing you how to do this. I want you to do it. Go to globalrichlist.com. You're going to enter in there. You're going to, the check down uh, is U.S. dollars. Okay, we, if you're not familiar, we're in the U.S. and we use dollars. And then you're going to type in your income, all right? And then you're going to hit show my results, show me the money. And this is what it's going to say. At $55,000, the average income of Texas family is that you are in the top 0.24%. That means you are wealthier than 99.76% of the world. So can we all agree based on that that we are wealthy? All right, let's, let's look a little deeper into that. All right, so the next one. So if you made 55000 in one year, someone in Indonesia making day labor's wage, it would take them 74 years to get what you make in a year. All right, the next one, uh, again, a little more. So 207 doctors would be their monthly salary, your monthly income. Doctors. All right, the next one. Because some of you are like, I don't make $55,000. I'm not rich. All right, so this one is based on $25,000 annual income. If you were to type in $25,000 annual income, you would be in the top 2% 2% of the world. In other words, you have more money than 98% of the world's population. So maybe, because based on those statistics, maybe what we need to refresh ourselves is on how to be content with what things we have. Because we, I'm going to be the first to admit it, we all struggle with contentment, don't we? We all struggle with materialism. And so giving is an antidote to that. But turn with me. Uh, we are not going to be in First Timothy this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And we, we read these verses last week, and I told you we were going to go back to these verses in Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and the first few verses, or really the first 17 verses, Jesus is talking about hypocrisy and how should righteous people live and how should we live in the context of community. Um, and so three specific areas he talks about. In verses 1 through 4, he talks about giving. And we'll summarize that by Jesus was telling them, don't give to be seen by men. Okay, if you give just so people will, will think highly of you or brag on you, and you kind of tell people, this is how much I give, well, what, later Jesus is going to say, well, you got your reward. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, my, I'm not after the reward that you can give me. I want the reward that only God can give me. Okay, and so giving, I'm going to give not for the praise of man, but for the glory of God. I want to give not for the praise of man, but for the glory of God. And so that's what Jesus is alluding to here. Don't, you know, we'll summarize it real quickly. Don't give to be seen by men. Then verses 5 through 15, and again in chapter 6, how, to, how do righteous people pray? How should we pray? And then we have the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. But again, you could summarize by saying what Jesus is saying, and right at the beginning of that is don't, be, don't pray to be seen by men. Okay, we're going to pray to the Lord. I'm not praying so you can hear me pray and see how good I am at praying. 
Okay? There are a few people in my life that I love to hear pray. And I love to hear them pray because I get a sense that they're, ju- they're, not, they're not concerned of who's in the room. They're just talking to God. You ever been around those people like that? Uh, how many of you remember, it's been several years ago, Tommy Knowles. You guys remember Tommy Knowles? And how many of you love just to hear him pray? Because you felt like, like God came down and talked to him right there on the stage. And like, how does that happen? You know, I want to be like that. And, and so Tommy wasn't praying for our praise. In fact, I'm not sure he knew we were even in the room at that point. He just like had a, a separate moment with God and we just got to be a part of that. And so how do I pray like a righteous person? Then I want to pray in secret. I want to pray to God. And, and it's not to be seen of men, all right? So again, he's looking and, and you can just sense that he's talking about the Pharisees, right? Everything he's mentioning here. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing, I'm not giving, I'm not praying so people will see me. The third area that most of us as Baptists really go over quickly, and there's only a couple of verses, is how, how do righteous people fast? You guys know what fasting is? Say yes if you do. All right, that's going without something, all right. Typically we say without food, right, so fasting. But how, why would I fast? It's not to be seen of men. So Jesus is digging in here into the heart that I'm not going to give and I'm not going to pray and I'm not going to fast. I'm not going to do religious things to be seen of man. I'm going to do them out of the abundance of my heart. When I think about those verses that we, in the songs that we sang this morning, do you, do you, ever, just, do you ever just get overwhelmed by the grace of God in your life? Um, on the, I told you on the way this morning, um, how many of you know what Snapchat is, by the way? I'm going to look in this general direction because they probably know. Uh, if you follow me on Snapchat, man, you're going you're gonna to be blessed today when you open that up. I, I, my uh, kind of tradition, I, for lack of a better word, when I'm on my way to church on Sunday morning, man, I, just, I get with it with God. And this morning I was just singing and I was like, wow, I'm recording this, this is not good. Anyways... I'm standing here debating on whether to, to play it for you. You guys want me to play it for you? Too bad. All right. I mean, I really thought about it, but I haven't listened to it. I don't know how bad it is. And so, anyways, I don't want to do it for the praise of man, so I'm going to be righteous and not do that. Yeah, right. So maybe what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that if we were going to, to live out a Christian life, and, and even specifically in these areas, if I'm going to give and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast, I'm going to do religious things, then possibly I'm going to have to have a counter-cultural mindset. I'm going to have to go maybe against the grain, especially when, it's, when it comes to giving. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6, and, and so kind of giving you the context here, let's look at verse number 19. As Jesus digs in a little bit into hypocrisy and am I serving God because I love God or because I love the praise of men. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, and, and, and I'm, I'm not smart enough to know if this is like the chicken and egg thing, like which, which comes first. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Like which is first, I'm not really sure. They just kind of go together. 
what I, what I worship and what I love the most is where my money's going to go. And, and when this is like, well, where your money goes is what you love the most. This kind of goes together there. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either hate the one and love the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot, listen, you cannot, this is Jesus talking, this is not me. Some of you have those red letter Bible, right? And it's written in red. How many of you have your pages right now? What we're reading is in red, right? So in case you didn't know, that's Jesus speaking, right? And so Jesus, not John, not Hallmark, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon, or you cannot serve God and money. And I'm still going to say that I think the, great, the reason Jesus talked more about money than any other subject is because Jesus knew that the greatest competitor of our heart was going to be our money. The greatest, now, especially when you think about us living in America, if you make $25,000 a year in your family household income, you would, you, would be at the, you would be below poverty, right, in our culture. But according to the world, you're going to be 98% wealthier than everyone else. And so Jesus knows, specifically when you speak into our culture, the greatest competitor for your heart is going to be your money. That's why I was so excited this week. Several, several people uh, had, to, had told me that they're, they're, they've made the decision to start tithing. They made the decision that they're going to take this 90-day 90 90 challenge. They're going to put God to the test. And, and what it tells me is that if someone is willing to take this massive, huge, giant step of faith in their money, that God has their heart. And as a pastor, that's exciting. As people get, give God their heart and they surrender and say, God, the, the one thing that's the greatest competitor for me loving you more is my finances and my money and my materialism. And God, I'm, I'm releasing that to you. Look at verse number 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He talks a lot about worry there. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day of its own trouble. So possessions are not bad unless they possess you. Possessions are not bad unless they possess you. So let's, let's walk through this outline and what we see in this text. Number one is this, be careful of where your treasure resides. Be careful of where your treasure resides. And so there's some really easy observations in the first few verses in 19 and 20 that we, we can see out. And, and that's this. We all have treasure. Jesus didn't say, if you have treasure, store it in heaven, not on earth. He's, the assumption... I'm waiting. Yeah. The assumption is we all have treasure, but where am I storing it? So the, the understanding here is you, you have treasure. The next understanding you can see right here in the text is that there's two places you can store, or maybe a better word is invest your treasure. There's two places. So we all have treasure. That's the assumption in the scripture that Jesus is teaching. And then he gives us two options on where we can invest our treasure. Those two options are we can invest it in the earth, earthly things, temporal things, or we can invest it in heavenly things or eternal things. Are you tracking with me? Nod your head right there. So in this context, 
one of the ways that they would measure wealth, somebody's wealth, was by the clothes that they wear and the clothes that they own. It would also be by uh, the precious metals that they owned. Okay, maybe not much different than we do things by maybe our house and our cars and et cetera, right? So what does Jesus point out? I feel like I can't move. The things that you think, uh, it's going to be a distraction. I'm going to grab this mic number eight, okay? We good? All right. So the things that, that you think make you wealthy, Jesus is saying, the moths are going to eat it. Those clothes that you cherish or treasure, uh, one, one uh, theologian said it this way, don't tr- that really the, the context and the intent of this verse is to say don't treasure your treasures on earth. So what we read was don't store for yourself treasures on earth, but what was intended really was don't treasure your treasures. And don't we as Americans treasure our treasures? We store our treasures in storage units that are climate controlled, and they're such treasures, but we only use them once every 10 years. We don't even know what's in that treasure box, right? Don't treasure your treasures on earth, but treasure your treasures where? In heaven. So here another assumption is that you are treasuring your treasures, but where are your treasures? Here or in heaven? Let's, let's, we're going to walk through this outline pretty quick this morning. Number two. So be careful of where your treasure resides. It's only in two places. You're investing in, in eternal or temporal. Number two. Be committed to treasures that remain. So we have this contrast, right? Don't store up or don't treasure your treasures on earth, but treasure the treasures in heaven. I don't know how many more times I can say that. But, but so there's this... Don't store up treasures here, but where can I store treasures? Say it. Where can I store treasures? In heaven. I can invest. I can put my money. I can't, uh, Randy Alcorn, I think, says it this way, that you can't take your money with you, but you can send it ahead. So I'm going to invest in heavenly things. I'm going to invest in eternal things. And I'm investing in one of those two things. And it's okay to invest in in earthly things, I'm not saying don't, you know, go sell all your investments and give them away. I'm not saying that. But how easily our possessions possess us, don't we? How easily we, we shift our heart from wanting to serve God. So be committed to treasures that remain. You remember the story of the, the rich man in Luke chapter number 12. And then, you, then there's the story of two brothers that we're fighting over an inheritance. That never happens in our culture though, right? We're just going to move on. And they came to Jesus and said, hey, could you be, you know, help us out? Figure out, you know, tell my brother he needs to share the inheritance. And Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Can you imagine being the guy? Hey, Jesus, could you help and tell my brother he needs to give me more stuff and give me the inheritance? And Jesus responds with, don't be, don't be possessed with your possessions. Life is more than money. Would you want to be that guy having that conversation? Can you just picture the guy like, oh, man, walk away. 
And then he tells the story of the rich man that built bigger barns so he could store all this stuff in. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound familiar? I don't, I don't have enough storage units to store all my stuff that I don't use, but I need, so I need to get a bigger one. What, what did Jesus say to him? God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will all those things be which you have provided? So he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So, so you understand there in verse 21, the Lord understands financial planning, and it's okay to plan, and it's okay to save, and it's okay to invest, and it's okay to prepare for the future. See what it says in verse 21, he is, lays up treasure himself. So he says, he's going back to this rich man that built all the new buildings and wanted to store more stuff, and, and he said he's a fool, he's going to die, and then what good is all that stuff that he has collected going to be? And then he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself, and then there's this qualifier here, and is not rich toward God. So Jesus is not saying it's not that you shouldn't invest and you shouldn't plan and you shouldn't have you know, hope for the future. That's not what he's saying. But in your financial planning, who should you also bless? God. And God should be first, the first fruits. That's all throughout the Bible. And God deserves at least, and I'm saying at least, the beginning, the training wheels, the starting blocks is a tithe. So what Jesus then says is you're a fool if you're not generous toward God. I don't want to be in that category. Let's, let's continue on because it's getting really, really quiet. So how can I invest? This week I had a, a great opportunity I was uh, in Virginia most of the week, and I got to sit down and talk with, with missionaries from all over the world. In fact, then I got back Friday, and I sat down and had coffee with a missionary from China. Then I sat down for lunch with a missionary that's going to the Muslims in Canada. And I, I mean, I met missionaries from all over the world this, this week. And if you want to invest in something that's eternal, give it to God. And, and maybe you don't know this, but at this church, which is not real common in churches that we associate with, that any, so we're, we're expecting, we're challenging you to tithe and to give 10%, right? And so what I want you to know is that every dollar that you give into the general account of Hallmark, immediately 15% of that goes right into our missions budget. And it goes to support missionaries all over the world. On top of that, we have a lot of people in this church, and you're going to hear about it in a minute, that give above their tithe also to missions. Then we have people who will give above that to, their, to the building fund. Then we have people that give above that to, to Manor Worldwide. But I sat down and, and with the churches that we cooperate with, what's called the Baptist Bible Fellowship, in, in, 20, in, in 2017, there were 120,000 people that gave their life to Christ overseas. 120,000, just with the group that we're associated with. I got to invest in that. Because every dollar that I give to missions goes to help missionaries. And every dollar I give to my tithe, 15% of that goes to help missionaries. 
I, I, I got to invest into 120,000 people giving their life to Christ. If you give, guess what? You got to invest in 120,000 people giving their life to Christ. That's not counting in the United States. That's outside of the United States. 50,000 of those, as best they can record, were also baptized. That's how I want to invest my money into the future. It's an eternal investment. And here's what Paul said in Philippians, and he's talking about uh, the church giving. He said, "I'm I'm not asking you to give so that you can meet my needs. I'm asking you to give so that God will put it towards your account. That you are investing not in temporal things, but in eternal things. I want to be a part of what God is doing, not just in Fort Worth, but all over the world. So I want to give. Invest. Number three, be concerned about what your treasures reveal. Be concerned about what your treasures reveal. And I want you to watch this short video. We started giving uh, at Hallmark when we first started uh, there and expanded that when we went to a building program. We got to be part of that, so we started giving to the building program, and God continued to bless us. And, um, and we got involved in missions and went on a mission trip and just were blown away with all the things that are God's doing in other parts of the world. So we started giving to the missions and uh, but I think most of all what we've done I've been able to do because of God's goodness to us and blessings that we've had we've been able to take those blessings and pass along some of the uh, things that God's given us to others and to be a part of his blessings to us and then allow us to be a part of the blessings to others one thing that I remember when Russ and I started giving above and beyond our tithe was when Hallmark started the building program. And we came home after that dinner and Russ and I were talking and I said, I have an amount in mind. And Russ said, well, I kinda do too. And I said, you first. And so it turned out that we both had the same amount in mind, that God had laid that on our hearts and it was gonna be a stretch. But we did it because we felt like that because we both had that same amount in our mind that that was what God wanted us to do. And over and over again, those three years, and on past those three years, whatever we gave for that purpose, God somehow sent it back to us again and again. And not only that, but when we walk into that church building, we we know that we are vested there and we have a part of what's going on at Hallmark and that's very special to us. That along with um, the mission giving. Until I came to Hallmark, I didn't really understand what all was going on in the world with regard to missionaries being sent from particular churches and what that meant. Um, I've become very familiar with it here at, at Hallmark and being able to participate in that and not only just to support individual missionaries as they go, but overall in the Faith Promise missions, um, and then going on mission trips and seeing what those funds do in the field, it will change your life. And so giving is not just for the church and, and 
just for uh, the uh, offerings to, to do things at the church every day, you get blessed more when you are part of God's uh, blessings to you. To give to those that are just starting to think about giving and the struggle that you have sometimes with uh, limited uh, revenues or money, uh, you can uh, start, you don't have to start large. The, the whole thing there is to be a part of God's work. If you can be a part of God's work, whether it's $10 or $50, whatever it happens to be, the idea there is to get started. And once you get started, what you're going to find is that God's going to provide for you to allow you to grow that uh, and be more active in our church and to be uh, more responsible as far as uh, what, the, what the Bible says is that we're to give. And so giving ends up being something that really becomes a blessing to you because you'll find out that God can, will, will bless you more. Uh, as you uh, continue to give. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, we already read it, but where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what, what do you love? What are you passionate about? If you want to find out, if you're not sure, look at your bank statement. Where you spend your money reveals what you love the most. And so, and I, I'm excited. I got a text last night uh, from a young uh, couple. Just had a question about, you know, turning this card in. We're going to have you uh, turn this card in here in a moment. If you haven't already filled it out, it would be a great time to take it out and do that. Uh, we're, you know, everyone should, you know, should probably check one of the two boxes, right? Uh, start tithing or continue tithing your name, your email address, and, and then specifically for those of you, really anybody, but if you're checking the box to start tithing, this is like this 90-day challenge. I'm going to try it. I'm going to put God to the test. I'm trusting he's going to be faithful. He's going to provide. And, but you would like some encouraging emails throughout this 90-day process, then check that, that third box as well. And so I had a text last night about asking about that. And, and I said to the person, and I am excited that you're about, I, trust me, I believe that this is one of the, the biggest steps of faith anybody can take. Because we're surrendering what's most important to us and what we would value as most needed to us. And in our culture, it, it is pretty needed, right? And, and so for us to surrender, God, I'm willing to take this giant leap of faith. And so a young couple taking this giant leap of faith, I, I just want you to know that I don't, I don't underestimate maybe is the right word, but I appreciate that people are willing to take a step of faith. And so I, I text back to this person. I said, man, I'm so excited. I'm going to be praying for you. This is a giant step of faith, but I'm excited for you in this process. And the response back was, we are too. I thought it was definitely God speaking to us. We haven't struggled this much in almost five years, so we decided we would rather struggle and give than struggle and not give. That's powerful, isn't it? But it's powerful as a pastor to know, again, I'm going to be completely honest with you, I believe that this area reveals the most about our heart than any other area. It reveals more to me and I think to God about 
any, than church attendance, faithfulness, I mean, anything. In, in my opinion, the reason Jesus talked more about money than any other thing, again, was because he felt it was the greatest enemy of the heart. And so when someone texts me, a young couple who's struggling financially and says they're going to take this step of faith, you know what that tells me? God is speaking to them. And they're surrendering to God. That's exciting. That is super exciting. And so what I want you to do, I want you to grab that card this morning, maybe with your spouse, maybe uh, you're by yourself. And I just want to have a moment of prayer right where you're seated. Ben's going to come up and, and begin playing. We're going to have a time of worship. But I want to have a time of prayer as a church over these commitments. And, and let me just warn you, the scripture here on that, uh, Malachi 3.10, Jesus, the Lord says, test me, give and see if I don't bless you. But this is my warning to you. Any, any, any step of faith you take to get closer to God, Satan is going to fight you. Satan is going to fight you. There's going to be some storms for some of you. Some of you, you're going you're to make this checkbox. I'm going to start giving on October 7th, or maybe today you are, you're going to bring your first tithe check, and God's going to blow you away with how he blesses you in the first week or two weeks. But some of you, let me just warn you, some of you, the opposite's going to happen. Because if your money is the greatest competitor of your heart to Christ, Satan does not want you to give that control to, to the Lord. He's going to fight you. So we need to pray over this. If you want to pray right where you're at with, with the person you're with that you're going to give this card and pull the, place this in a moment up here, you can do that. But I want to pray for us as a church. When I get done praying, I'll give you a few more instructions. But let's, let's just pray. God, we come before you today as individuals, as families, young, old, and in between. And we are acknowledging today that we're dependent on you. And we're going to prove that dependence by being willing to give. Lord, I'm thankful for the many people in this church that have faithfully given for years and years and who've given in all areas and have been generous. And Lord, I, I, I pray you would continue to provide. I thank you for their testimony. And their testimony is of your faithfulness and your grace. Lord, there's some in this room this morning, and this is a, a big step of faith, and financially and on the budget sheet, it doesn't make sense. And so, God, I pray that you, as you've promised to provide, God, this is a way for us to, to say, you have control of my life. I surrender to you. Everything I have is first given to me by you, and, and I want to give back. Provide, bless, and Lord, we do all this to appoint people to the name of Jesus and to magnify our Lord and Savior. In a moment, we're going to stand and, and as we begin singing, what I would like for you to do if, as you fill this out is just to, to come place it on the altar. If you want to stop and, and, and spread out and pray, that's fine, but if you just want to come lay it down here on the altar just symbolizing this morning, I'm, I'm dependent on God. I'm laying this down, and I'm going to trust God.
to provide. Would you stand with me this morning? As we sing and as we worship, just place it down here this morning. Surrender to God. Depend on Him.